Coolio. So, yeah. Uh, so, back to um, Lord of the Rings and like Game of Thrones and stuff. I haven't read any of the Game of Thrones books, but I love the fact that it was placed over a good amount of time, a good amount of uh, storytelling went into the entire process of getting these books out into a, a film format, albeit TV. And Lord of the Rings, I mean, that's that's one storyteller's vision. So that's, I guess, what I'm trying to get is both of those series between Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones, it's one storyteller's vision of a full history of all the different components and everything else. I kind of wish, and I mean, there's no way you can undo what's been done, but I kind of wish George Lucas would have said, like, here's all the stuff I want in my in my big world and i just need somebody to create a full core canon and then everything else can be based off of that you know what i mean and and wish wish he kind of would have protected that as his asset instead of necessarily just owning the rights Mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah I, i i almost view george lucas's situation the same way i look at uh hp lovecraft uh, oddly enough, I don't know. This. So H.P. Lovecraft uh, is like a horror writer from you know the early 20th century, and he wrote like the Cthulhu mythos stuff. But he didn't actually I've write a lot that. of yeah. You have he hasn't he didn't actually write a ton of Cthulhu mythos stuff. His writing just like inspired other people to write about these characters and these you know this world this. You know, and it's like Lovecraft was really, really good at thinking up interesting scenario, interesting worldviews or ideas. Mm. But I don't know that he was necessarily, I mean, not to say he wasn't a good writer. I've read a lot of his stuff and I, I really enjoy his writing style. Um, there's some stuff that's problematic we won't talk about, but. Um, I was about to say that. You know, I mean, it's, totally, it's, yeah. it's the 20s. I don't, not, I don't mean to gloss over it, but it's like not the time or the place to have that conversation or that debate. Yes. And you can believe what you want to believe about whatever you want to believe in. And that's cool. And like, I fully agree with a lot of the opinions, but it doesn't take away from the fact that I enjoy his books. Uh, yeah. You know, not all of them, but the majority, a, a good, a, a, a selection of them I like. Um, but anyway, that being said, uh, a lot of Lovecraft's work has since become public domain, right? Just because over mm. time you lose copyright and yeah. other people can like, you can, can distribute your work without uh, paying you your, your credit. Right. Right. So, um, but that also means they can steal your stuff, which is really awesome. Like this is what it's for. It's so that other people can steal the IP, not steal it, but <laughs> reinvent it in a new way. Right. Or use item, like use, selections from it to build something new or build something bigger and and so like if you look at the timeline of other people who have like like i guess people qualify them as like cthulhu mythos writers you just see like the same kind of idea that you have with star wars is like you have one person who's come up with this like really neat um sort of like universe Mm -hmm. that people live in that, that actions are happening in um that is maybe a little like weird and problematic in some ways because that person who, who invented it maybe isn't like the best or most conscientious individual. 
Right. But then you have a lot of other people who might be like more conscientious or they might be more creative or better writers, or they might right. have more a thought for backstory or whatever it might be. And they expound on it. And I think that that is really cool. And I wish they had left that alone when it came to star Wars, because I know that a lot of stuff is like maybe contradictory or this writer thought this and that writer thought that and blah, blah, blah. And I think the only time that really becomes like hard or a problem is when there's a, when people care so much that there's a conflict that right. they can't get over it and just understand it's a story. And it's like, whatever, who cares? It's like, it's not real. Like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. If like one writer had Luke Skywalker get in a fight where he got a scar and then another writer's like, he doesn't have any scars on his face or whatever. And you know, yeah. it's like, who cares? Like it's, it's two different writers, but, um, uh, but, uh, but I, you know, it's, that's kind of like how it worked out with Lovecraft too. And, and if you read a lot of like the, uh, you know, ancillary works of people who were not only came after Lovecraft, but were inspired by Lovecraft's work in his time, um, other horror writers, it's like, you know, like the King in yellow and, uh, um, you know, like, uh, like all these, um, really interesting stories about, um, you know, like, uh, I know, I know far too much about it. I could geek out about it. You know, like the King in yellow is Haster and Haster is actually Cthulhu's like sibling. And, uh, they like don't like each other. So they're trying to like build up their own cult following so they can rule and blah, blah, blah. it's like this whole thing, but that's cool. But it's, but like, Lovecraft didn't make that up. I mean, he didn't right. really make that up. Like it was other people who helped that develop, that developed the story. And I don't know, it's just, uh, it's interesting to me. And then, you know, like you take that, um, this is actually a, an interesting point. You take the King in Yellow that was actually expounded more upon by uh, Robert, Robert something, I think. I think, it's, uh, anyway, the, the main writer that actually like explored the King in Yellow, um, of Haster and, and his followers and so forth, uh, influenced, um, do you know the Robert show? Chambers. That, Robert Chambers, yeah. yeah. Um, you know that show that recently came out uh, maybe a couple years back called Legion? And it like yeah. was a it was a like a like a s- series um, about um, a character from X Men basically. Uh, it was supposed to be um, Charles Xavier's son, right? And in that show, inside his mind is living the King in Yellow. It's really crazy. It's like it's funny because like they borrowed that from yeah. that like Cthulhu mythos Lovecraftian thing. It influenced this like psychic character in a comic book. Well, this gets in. So this, this whole, I mean, if you want to tie this into everything, I mean, this is where you get into the issues with uh, copyright and the whole holding of these, not trademarks and patents, but like, I mean, Disney has fought tooth and nail with every single legal entity to maintain like infinitely long copyrights on everything they have their hands in right so you take something like star wars which from a fundamental story point it's got some really cool elements and then it's got a whole bunch of crappy elements but (laughs) and it's like any book or any good story Mm -hmm. um and you it makes it that much harder to build on those things or be able to take them in new directions. Like how could you ever write or create a whole different force mythos without it being easily attacked by Disney? Right. 
You know what I mean? Like that yeah, entire, yeah, exactly. that entire entity is just gone for all of us. And that's mm-hmm. kind of a downer to me because it's like, then you get into like fan fiction and stuff and it's like, nobody gets paid to write fan fiction. And yet there's some really cool things. I read this one thing. I didn't read the whole thing. I read like a few snippets of it cause I just didn't have time, but it was this whole like, uh, time is a circle and Batman and the Joker are actually the same person or whatever. It was this whole idea that the Joker oh, like is the Batman. Joker is Batman, but yeah. Yeah. At the end of his yeah. life and not at the, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's this whole thing. And I'm like, that's the coolest idea I've ever heard. And yet that will never become a movie. Right. Um, the, the other side of this too, though, like um, kind of going back to your statement of like, nobody ever can use the force and, you know, like, or use the force as an element in their story because down Disney owns the whole idea of the force and whatever yeah. else. If you go back to Isaac Asimov, it's a trilogy that Isaac Asimov wrote. It's called um, something about the Republic. I've never read it. I'm not a big Asimov fan. Uh, uh, found, foundation series. So, uh, just as a quick tangent, mm-hmm. uh, FedEx delivered today. So nice. here's the kicker. Yesterday, I want to say yesterday, I went on ifixit.com mm-hmm. because my uh, brother-in-law's iMac, the hard drives just crashed. So I'm like, oh, well, I can fix that, I think. And I fix it. Yep. No problem. hundred bucks to get the kit. And so I also ordered this cute cool poster of like revolution of fixing things. And I'm like, yeah, uh-huh. let's fix all the things. And I got a hat and a t-shirt. The stuff showed up today. And that's like unheard of. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm just stupefied. So. Amazon is either uh, like the most amazing thing that's ever happened in the, in the course of human history or <laughs> They just like literally don't care. And the, the, and it's funny because as you, as you were talking about before we started recording, they both gave you a one day delivery on a ton of items that like, like a less than 24 hour delivery on a bunch yeah. of items. But they also sent you a red microphone when you ordered a black one. That's true. You know what I'm saying? Is, like, this they, is supposed to be a black microphone. They either just don't give a shit at all or they are like on top of their game. There's just no I consistency would, though. That's true. It's very, yeah, that's a challenge. I, I, all I can imagine is that the robot that selected my microphone off the shelf read the label saying black microphone, but then whoever packaged it and labeled it was just mm-hmm. not on their game that day. Okay. So, um, just the foundation section. Yeah. The foundation series. Okay. So here's straight from Wikipedia. The premise of the story is that in the waning days of a future galactic empire, the mathematician uh, Harry Seldon spends his life developing a theory of psychohistory, a new and effective mathematical sociology. Using statistical laws of mass action, it can predict the future of large populations. Seldon foresees the imminent fall of the empire, which encompasses the entire Milky Way in a dark age lasting 30,000 years before the second empire arises. Although the inertia, inertia of the empire's fit, fall is too great to stop, Selden devises a plan by which an onrushing mass of events must be deflected just a little to eventually limit this uh, interregnum, interregnum, whatever, 
to just 1,000 years. To implement his plan, Selden creates the foundations, two groups of scientists and engineers settled at opposite ends of the galaxy to preserve the spirit of science and civilization and thus become the cornerstones of the new galactic empire. So like there's lots of themes in here that are like pretty much identical, you know? So not that they're exactly the same story, but like the themes and the characters and like some things that they do. I I've, from what I've, from what I understand, there's like a, there's like a hidden father son thing going on in there too. Just kind of like the same idea of like Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker. Spoiler. Oh, I'm sure there's a father. I mean, a father son battle is not like, that's the core of almost all operas right? in some way or another. Right. Like, yeah, I, I used to think about this a lot in my, when I got my, when I was taking my philosophy degree. Um, yeah. I actually um, went to a conference and uh, I was at a, um, a session where the guy was talking about um, the theory of time and how time, how, how we perceive time in a, in a way, but how okay. time doesn't necessarily have to exist that way. It's like, you know, color is only color because it's like a, it's actually a wavelength that's being emitted. Right. And our eyes are designed biologically to interpret those wavelengths in a specific way. They're not, they're, they're only visible insofar as we have vision or a thing that we call vision that yeah. performs action, right? So like there could very well be a being out there. This is like a philosophical mind, you know, thought experiment, right? There right. very well could be a being out there that, instead of seeing the visual spectrum sees like the um, audio spectrum or right. sees like the infrared, right? It only right. Yeah, sees yeah. infrared or something like that where it's, it's very interesting when you start thinking about those kinds of things. Cause like things like infrared or, um, or uh, sonic vision or something like that, those things actually can be simulated um, and, and converted through like computer software into uh, a visual representation that we can see it's still that not we can the same, process yeah right but but at least we can process it in a way where it's like oh this is kind of how they're seeing things yeah um and so it it, it becomes interesting insofar as it's not a it's not fully abstract you know you don't have right. to just imagine it you can actually see it but um in the same vein um it's it's a little bit harder this way because like you can't you can't we we haven't yet found a way to simulate alternative ways of viewing time rather other than the way we view it, which is linearly one moment after the other. Mm. And um, interestingly enough, a lot of the philosophy behind this comes from um, yeah. Slaughterhouse five, dude, for sure. You have to, you, if you have not read Slaughterhouse five, a hundred percent, you've got to watch it. You gotta, you gotta read Slaughterhouse five. Okay. I've written it down. It'll happen. Right. It's called Slaughterhouse Five or The Children's Crusade, A Duty Dance with Death. Um, written by Kurt Vonnegut. Kurt Vonnegut is probably one of my like top five authors. Oh. Um, Slaughterhouse Five, and then there's another one. Gosh, what is it called? It's like um, <laughs> there are these kids that, um, in, that their father is like this really famous physicist. He's like this really super intelligent guy. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like, so that's Cat's Cradle. Um, you'll enjoy that one too. So if you're going to read Vonnegut, the very first two books you need to read are Slaughterhouse-Five and Cat's Cradle. Uh, they're just okay. like so intriguing and interesting. And yeah. So anyway, in Slaughterhouse-Five, 
Um, it's been a while since I've read it, so I'm, I'm going to get most of this completely wrong. But there's this whole idea of like a Trafalmagorian, which is, or Trafalmadorian, which is like a, an alien species, and they're unstuck from time. And so they might experience like their own oh. death. And then the next day they might experience uh, something in their childhood. And in another moment they might, you know, experience uh, being married with some kids or, you know, whatever yeah. it might be. But they're completely unstuck. So their perception of time is, is nonlinear. It's, um, it's completely uh, momentous. Yeah. And um, uh, basically it's this whole... Um, I think you kind of like in the book, you kind of like stuck in this situation where it's um, first person or second person. I can't remember where you're watching somebody live this life mm -hmm. and, but they're a war veteran. So like they might have PTSD mm. and they might just be like having flashbacks and experiencing life in a psychotic way and not right. like a, uh, like in a, in a, uh, you know, a good faith kind of way. Right. And so it's, it's just a super, it's, it's really super interesting. It's a super interesting book. That sounds but good. It talks, it talks about this. It talks about sort of um, viewing things from a different perspective, like alternate universe sort of deal. That sounds um, cool. Yeah. Anyway, back, you know, I digress four times over, but. Um, <laughs> That's okay. That's the point. Yeah. One of the um, things that we talked about was uh, I, that I had brought up and it was hard to explain at the time, um, but it's like fractal time, you know, where, uh, where time, um, time repeats itself uh, infinitely microscopically, right? So. Ooh. <laughs> so like I, we we always think of things like moments like there's a moment in yeah, time yeah yeah it's the yeah yeah type of time but like a moment is even like a timeline and then inside that moment you know it's like the difference between atoms and quarks and you know right what's the smallest piece and like as you get further and further down that rabbit hole it's like it becomes further and further fractaled where one thing that was something that was seemingly one thing like an atom is actually like three things but those three things are actually made out of other smaller things and oh like well that's like when you look at um uh and it is one of the things that they they talk about a lot in the in that podcast anyway they, they mention it quite frequently is how we draw um if you draw an atom right you draw the nucleus and the electrons floating mm -hmm. around like little orbital things except it's not that way it's actually like a puff cloud right of electrons there, there actually is no form they don't magically gravitationally revolve around they're, they're not just planets. float there and they have <laughs> yeah. no idea how they would look because the only way like if you do you look at like the however they've captured the images of them they're kind of foggy flaky spaces and it's mm -hmm. and you're like wow this is just cutting through my my childhood my childhood education right. and i'm like i thought electrons were just there and they spun <laughs> the worst uh, thing that ever happened to education was the Bohr model <laughs> yeah it's like it's so weird uh i figured out who it was though. it was uh oh, yeah speaking of joaquin phoenix have you seen joker yeah Oof. i know Fantastic. um i don't want to i don't want to reveal anything i just no. want to say that um very very well done mm. and then I heard that they're talking about doing a Lex Luthor one of a similar nature. Interesting. Yeah. Where he is already president. And my gut said, huh. I would watch that. I that, would watch that. With I, enthusiasm. 
I might, I might watch that. I might watch that. I might wait for that to come out on Netflix. Um, I mean, or, either or. But I don't really go and see movies anymore anyway with lots mm. of children and very little different time. Different story. Yeah. It's a much different story than you guys. But um, I, I, I hotly anticipated iTunes releasing Joker for Rent. I will say it was, it was January 7th and I waited <laughs> since before Christmas for that date just to watch that movie. But it's been, go ahead. Um, but yeah, that movie was, I, was I felt so like that good. movie stood on its own, even without the whole idea of who the Joker is and Batman and that whole, Oh, very much. I like the, aside from all of that, like if they just yeah. came out with a movie called Joker without the Batman and Joker and all of that other non, you know, stuff. Oh yeah. 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 And, and now as a standalone movie, story, yeah. it is incredibly well put together. Yeah, and, and it was, and it was very much like a, like a, not a ripoff at all of this, but it was very much in the same vein as like taxi driver, you know, where it's just mm, like this yeah. really good or like the dog days of summer, I think it's called, or is it just called dog days with Al Pacino where he plays a bank robber? Oh, I think it's dog days, dog days. Yeah. Dog days. I mean, you know, it's just like a movie that's just elegant and perfect from start yeah. to finish and it, it wraps itself up. There's no sequels. There's no, you know, it's just, it is. What I it mean, is. that would be the worst thing to do a sequel to that. It, yeah. it just doesn't fit. It DC, needs to if you're be listening, a clean. Do not do a Joker too. Not that you listen to any of your fans and what any of them want. Cause you just butcher so <laughs> many good things, but Hey, this one, two thumbs up. Yes. Quite. I wish that they would, they would keep doing this and stop trying to um, mimic like Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, suicide squad. I enjoyed that movie. It was fun, but I feel like they tried to make it like the dark Avengers, like the bad guy Avengers too much. And so they missed out on the, the thing that makes DC unique, which is like the dark gritty. It's the reason why like Christian Bale's Batman works. Yeah. It's because it's like dark and gritty. It's not Iron Man. You know, it's not like, Tony Stark being a snarky Starky, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like, it's real life. It's like a dude that's mentally yeah. scarred oh, putting yeah. on a bat costume and beating people up. Like it's pretty yeah. dark. Um, and you know, the same thing with like the, the Joker movie, it's like just this dark, dark exploration of somebody's psychosis. And it's like, yikes. It's um, heavy. It, like draws you in and it's yeah it's heavy and it's fun um yeah but then they try to do like suicide squad and this new movie the new harley quinn movie i can't remember what it's called oh yeah like, oh it's it's literally like harley quinn and something stuff. it's like fl- flower power harley quinn yeah movie. Uh, and it's like i'll never i'll slim chances i'll watch that i still haven't seen justice league i'll probably never watch it yeah a lot the, of those the, ones like the batman batman and superman one just killed it for me yeah, I think that it was just, the turning it, point for them where it was just like, oh, stop trying to you, be Marvel. You, oh, God, please. I mean, I didn't mind Ben Affleck as a Batman. I actually could have believed that. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, but no, a Ben Affleck as Batman doesn't bother me. That didn't, yeah, that, that didn't phase really me. But uh, between him and then this weird, um, like, incessantly depressed version of superman yes you just can't like superman is supposed to be the the polar opposite he is joyful he is he's supposed to hope in everything undefeated undefeatable optimist he's supposed to exactly he's supposed to see the bad 
but but always and continually hope for good. Exactly, and not become like a like he's not supposed to trying to be an emo kid or something. That was just weird to me as as part of a. You know what really made me feel like an idiot though? It took until the scene where Superman is about to crush uh, Batman or Batman's about to crush suit, whatever. Nobody cares. Whatever. But the part where one of them's about to kill the other one and he's like, tell Martha, blah, 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 whatever he said to tell Martha. Yeah. And they stop and they're like, what do you mean, Martha? That's my mother's name. It took me till that moment. It just makes me feel like such an idiot. It took me till that moment. I was, I was that years old. When yeah. I, I realized that Superman same. and Batman's moms both have the same name. Yep. Depressing. Yeah. It was like, see, I was like, I'm a, I'm a, oh, man. believe me. I was I'm the a, same man. I've been a man a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I, when I heard that, I was like, I, I like this movie even less now. Yeah. Like just for making me think about it. Just, I, I dislike Batman and Superman. I like, I feel like that was really lazy. <laughs> oh, it was so bad. It would but be even, like finding out having, it'd be like finding out that um, like pepper pots, like, like th- let's say pepper pots didn't have the name pepper pots. Yeah. And it'd be like having Spider-Man have Aunt May. And then like, uh, then like Iron Man's secretary love interest is May Potts. Yeah. And they're two different people. Yeah. Totally different people. Totally different stories. Right. But, but yeah. it'd be like the same exact name. It'd be just yeah. lazy. Anyway. Yeah. It's sloppy sorry. writing. Yeah. But no, what I was going to say, what drove me nuts is like, I actually, I really like Jesse Eisenberg. I think he's a great actor. Oh, I yes. think he, he does some really amazing roles. And, but him as Lex Luthor and Lex Luthor being some software guru, something or yeah. other was just the dumbest worst his, his acting fits but his look doesn't strike me none of it fit right to me yeah like i feel off, i feel like i just feel like at the end at the end of um which one was that i think it was the end of batman v superman where we see him in jail and his head is bald and he's like looking Maybe, at yeah. the camera behind the behind bars I do feel like I felt the Lex Luthor in there. Yeah. But Lex Luthor is supposed to be like this guy of like not kingpin, but no. like he's supposed to be a dude of like a, like he's supposed to be a, a statue type of guy, like a Dr. Yeah. Doom. Right. Yeah. Where he's not like the biggest dude in the room, but he nope. is, but he is exuding some kind of like, like a, a powerful confidence. Presence. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like a, like an M bison from street fighter, you know, he's, yeah. he's like that type of character to me. And he always, that's how he's always been represented to me anyway. And it seems like you need to have that in order to have Lex Luthor. And if you don't have that, then it has to be something. It's like, well, like um, it, the, the, cla- the, the battle of Lex Luthor is that he believes he is the greatest version of man. Right. And yet, super like how can he be a superman if he's an alien if he's not even of like from earth right. he's not super at all and that's lex luther's whole thing is i am superman right, right? like that's how he believes himself to be and so because he has the money he has the power he has the the you know determination like and, and all the anime because i actually really like dc's animated cartoon like movies 
mm-hmm. like the cartoon movies where you've got the the one uh it's like um it's like superman die like not dies but he becomes like star infused or whatever and so he kind of goes into ploof and okay. disappears and lex luther in that is like super jacked he he was already he'd been president he had still was worth billions of dollars and he was trying to prove that he was the greatest version of man and it was just it was such a good cluster of writing in that cartoon movie and i'm like how can you not transfer yeah. these really good cartoon movies into real life i don't how how did that fail in the process but yeah whatever um so two things speaking of dc yeah. have you seen shazam no is it Dude. good yeah it was like okay. a really fun like it's a jaunty movie but yeah. it's also a really good superhero movie um okay. i i really enjoyed it um it was yeah. not the typical like it wasn't the typical like DC either does like super dark really well, or it tries to do this campy BS where yeah. it fails, it flops kind of. I thought it was like, it was like if the green lantern was really, really good, it was like, it was oh. a really good movie. That's yeah. kind of how I felt about it. It was like, okay. It was like watching a good green lantern movie. <laughs> um, if only there was on the other side of that, there's a Jesse Eisenberg movie that just came out on Hulu. I think, I think you can find it on Hulu. If you're a subscriber called the art of self-defense, you can't get Hulu in Canada. No, we don't get it. In other words, I just get it wherever else. Like, right. You just find it somewhere. Um, it falls off a truck on the the ground. Yeah. Yeah. In the places somewhere, whatever. Um, the art of self-defense was like a really um, you got to be into like very tongue in cheek indie movies. Okay. If you're not really into those. Then it's yeah. going to fall a little flat for you. I think. No, but, I'll, I'll like it, but I enjoy movies where like everybody's a good actor. Everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing, but the way that the dialogue is laid out is supposed to make you feel a little bit uncomfortable because of the way that they're saying the tempo of their voice, the tone of yeah. their voice, things like that. It's supposed to like the dialogue itself acts as a part of the scenery to make mm-hmm. you feel a certain way. I really enjoy yeah. those kinds of movies. So, so um, yeah, I was just gonna say as, as my last note, cause we should probably wrap yeah. up, yeah, but um, uh, TV show, highly recommend kidding. With Jim Carrey. What, where do I find that? uh showcase showcase showtime showtime, showtime. Oh, yeah whatever showtime. wherever you can get that yeah however whatever means you have um the first se- i i have the first season i've been watching and oh my god the writing fantastic the storyline yeah. imagine so essentially what it is is uh imagine jim carrey playing mr rogers except imagine Mr. Rogers having a wife and kids and then having his entire family crumbling to bits uh-huh. behind the scenes while he has to maintain being Mr. Rogers. Yeah, Mr. Smith. And you're like, you're like, oh my gosh. A, <laughs> really good to see Jim Carrey doing some work again. And B, just the way he carries the character, it mm-hmm. is very real. Very, very good. 
Yeah. Yeah. He's, he is a phenomenal dramatic actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think that he gets enough credit, huh? He's also Canadian. He is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know. Very much Canadian. He's one of the 10 of us. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> so many people are Canadians. It's, it's, it's funny because many people who go, Oh, he's an American. It's like, no, he's actually Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> um, with, with quite a few people. Um, yeah. I think almost everybody that was on in living color in the very beginning, all the, um, the white a handful. On, yeah. On, uh, in living color, were all from Canada. The one woman, I can't remember what her name is. She's like intensely funny. Um, I think she was also Canadian, but I think that a lot of that came out for, came from um, maybe people that didn't necessarily get into SCTV. I mean, um, I think it's all kind of just the clusters of people. Yeah. Right. I mean, cause SCTV was like second city. Wasn't that yeah. uh, primarily yeah, it's Canadian sketch comedy show. I mean, Oh yeah. Yeah. SCTV, SCTV was, was so like, funny way ahead of its time like oh yeah i don't know anyway we still haven't i i I mean that show in general that that should be like on a canadian hall of fame somewhere Mm -hmm. i mean truly like john candy um joe flaherty eugene levy i mean these guys are like legends andrea i think it's andrea martin was incredible Um, yeah Rick Moranis came out of there. Um, yeah. Gosh, like they're trying to get, you know, I heard there, I don't know if the rumors are true, but there's a chance that he might do an appearance in the new Ghostbusters. It's coming up this summer. I've heard that as well. I think he, Which, if you've seen the trailer or have not, you I'm need not. to, because if you want to talk about like proper, proper way to bring back a, a 30 year old franchise, I think this movie is going to be the new kind of how to do that. Right. Okay. Um, I'm, 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 I'm staring at the Google results now for, yeah, I'm, I'm going to like talk that up nonstop. Cause you just, you can't so damn good. I, uh, I was really disappointed to see all the people like sort of do doing on the new Ghostbusters movie. Just because, oh, like, one? yeah, one? just because, eh, like, let it be. <laughs> it was. I I found it to be just as good as the original Ghostbusters. I think the problem is that it's like I'm sure I haven't seen it, um, and I'm sure it's, it's like a good there's movie. a level of nostalgia there that people are expecting to feel when they watch Ghostbusters, and when they don't yeah. feel nostalgia for something that's new, they mistake that that like disappointment for yeah. badness, and it's like just stop being hopeful that the old is going to be new again. It's like, it well, doesn't it's, exist. But it's the exact same with star Wars, right? It was the exact exactly, same yeah. thing. This is why people, people look- didn't like the, 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 the prequels, you know, it's yeah. like the prequels. If you go back and watch them, like they're just as like campy and weird and nerdy and oh, yeah. like, everything else problematic and whatever else as the original series. Oh, it's Christ. just the, you watch the original series when you were a kid and it was awesome. And every time you watched it, you got that same feeling of this yeah. is awesome. But now you're an adult and you're watching a movie that like my wife is eight years younger than me. And her favorite thing about star Wars was Jar Jar Binks because <laughs> she watched it when she was a kid, right. you know, like 
when 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 Star Wars came out in 1999, like I was 19 and she was 11. You know, so of course, like she's gonna have a completely different outlook on Star Wars than I would. I was in grade eight, so yeah, I was so about to go into high school when 13, Star Wars, twelve, something like that, yeah, somewhere around there, thirteen, fourteen, something yeah. like that. 